everybody. I hope you're having an amazing week. And if not, I hope today's conversation gives you the nourishment that you need, the inspiration, and the groundedness to return to yourself and the present moment. I'm Lydia, the founder of Reself. Welcome back or welcome to As It Goes. You know, we're all just figuring it out as it goes. And conversations help us along the way. Today's conversation is a foundational one. And I'm sat outside on a cloudy coolish June afternoon the birds are singing they're here with us to talk about living consciously and authentically what it is why the two are so interconnected why it's important and the benefits of it, and how we live consciously and authentically, and where Reself comes into that equation. Where to begin (laughs) this conversation, this foundational, elemental conversation? I wanted to ground this conversation in a little bit of a why why even live consciously? Why even live authentically before we get into it? A friend sent me an article in The Atlantic by Arthur Brooks, who is a social scientist. It was exploring satisfaction and why our conventional ideas of satisfaction propel us on a treadmill of dissatisfaction that is never ending in this contrast. So I wanted to share that as our introduction to this conversation, because I think this is the ultimate why, especially in our Western culture. He makes the clear distinction that satisfaction is actually not getting what you want. And I'll explain why. So the first piece of this is that the treadmill, so to speak, the chasing of our desires, specifically when it relates to money, power, prestige, accolade, things, this creates a dopamine response. And dopamine is the basis of addiction. So this is why we chase these things, not to mention what we'll also get into later in the conversation, but it doesn't last because we always need more, which is that addiction piece. And we can never get enough of those. And if we base our ideas of satisfaction or rather contentment, as I'll introduce, we will never be satisfied. He also highlights that if our sense of self-worth is based on success that is defined 
related to those aforementioned aspects, money, power, prestige, accolade, fame, whatever, will be always chasing it to feel good and also to avoid feeling awful because there is an inherent comparison to others. This sense of keeping up, keeping up with the Joneses or in our modern time, this keeping up with the Kardashians or the likes, which is proven to lead to anxiety and depression. It's this, how am I doing versus everyone else? How am I relative to everyone else? And that looking outward creates an innate dissatisfaction. And he explains from an evolutionary perspective that our brain is wired for a few different things. There's the homeostasis function, which is why these dopamine hits don't last because the brain always wants to recreate equilibrium in the body. Then there's the survival and the survival mode aspect of it, which I think is an important piece to highlight in the conversation when it comes to the feeling of need for certain things for survival, but oftentimes that survival isn't necessarily threatened. We can feel that way even when we have enough or more than enough when we have plenty and yet this is still a driving biological factor and also he highlights reproduction and gets into that really recommend the article will be linked in the description so i recommend reading that if you're curious to hear more about this and the science behind what he's saying especially when we get into the comparison piece social media has made this even worse. It's not to say social media, right, is just a byproduct of a lot of the consumerism, marketing, advertising forces that exist that create this external messaging of a need to buy things to feel satisfied, right? It's preying off of our internal wiring towards this. And what's interesting, and I think it's important to highlight, as we often do in our conversations, just like when we talked about the ego, this is not bad. He says this is what drives us and humanity forward is our dissatisfaction. However, what's not serving us or others is the excess and the greed that this creates. Even if it's not an innate greediness that survival drive that me attitude over we creates problems in society because we don't live in bubbles isolated bubbles it translates into objectifying both ourselves and others which leads to on a self level he explains it leads to a feeling of a lack of autonomy invisibility and tyranny within ourselves which obviously then translates right out into how we treat others and how we view others and viewing others as objects rather than full ends in themselves and what I love that he concludes in this this part of the article is it leaves us being cardboard cutouts of real people I feel that sentiment and the problem with the idea of pursuing this happiness or satisfaction 
is that it distracts us from the true source of bliss, if you want to call it, or rather peace and contentment because of the desires and attachments and cravings to faux sources of contentment, the aforementioned ones, perceiving them as ends in themselves instead of means, which is to say that that's the end goal versus a means to serve a greater purpose. I love how he highlights, and we talk about later in the episode too, money is not innately bad. Being able to use money to propel society equally forward is not an inherently bad goal. But if we're pursuing money to pursue money to buy things, well, we're just going to be on the treadmill of satisfaction, which is truly dissatisfaction because we will never have enough. Instead of pursuing things and using this innate drive as a result of dissatisfaction for the good of being, for the good of life through all of us that are in this together. So the dichotomy that's highlighted here is between intrinsic sources of contentment, i.e. that which comes from within versus a looking outward externally extrinsic sources. Again, those aforementioned ones. The difference, the solution to getting off the treadmill is simplicity. As we say, simplicity is complexity resolved. Instead of pursuing more to attain more release, work with what we have instead of acquiring more, being in and experiencing the beauty of life, managing our desires and acting in alignment to connect with our true self versus accumulating stuff, physical stuff and the stuff of the ego per se, that power, prestige, accolade, which clouds our ability to know our true self, to be in contentment, helping others, living in connection with meaning, enjoyment, which is not happiness, but rather presence, purpose, and value. And asking ourselves how our time, attention, and resources align with those or align with the extrinsic and how we can shift from the extrinsic to the intrinsic and witness how that changes our life, creates more equanimity within and peace throughout our life, contentment rather than chasing the highs. This isn't what everyone wants to hear, right? He talks about Buddhism and the philosophy of Buddhism and the truth that's in this, that has been 
circulating through humanity for thousands and thousands of years. And now's the time to implement it. And I'll leave this part of the conversation with this. He says, and I read from the article, work that feels more like a mission provides purpose. Travel can be inherently valuable and enjoyable. Learning a skill or meeting a challenge can bring intrinsic satisfaction. Meaningful activities pursued with friends or loved ones can deepen relationships. But ask yourself whether the attraction of your bucket list items, your goals, your vision, which we'll talk about, be they professional or experiential, derives mostly from how much they will make others admire or envy you. Those motivations will never lead to deep satisfaction. And that is why I inherently think that social media makes this a lot more difficult today because it is very hard to discern, or maybe it's not hard to discern at all, but maybe it feels harder to step off the treadmill to see what our motivations are or be willing to admit them to ourselves. I know that when I got off of social media when I was 18, this was essentially what I had to admit to myself. I could not bear using life as a means to pursue exactly that. Admiration of others, of an image of myself or simply using life for content until we sort out the inner peace and shift the inner perspective moving away from the hedonic satisfaction equation it's harder as an individual and through these quote-unquote tools of communication and media to do that. But I slightly digress. This is to set us up for how living consciously and authentically empowers the contentment that is the solution to the persistent dissatisfaction that we experience as the result of pursuing a endless path that is not fulfilling because it is not conscious it is not authentic and we will talk in a bit about why those two things are so important to this equation and why chasing happiness is not the answer to fulfillment and meaning in life and why instead this this inner peace, this balance, this living consciously and authentically is better than that, deeper than that. And what is more meaningful and purposeful and valuable about redefining and realigning with something far greater So without further ado, enjoy. Looking at where we are 
individually and collectively. And as I was getting ready to sit down for this conversation, I was reminded of a conversation I had earlier in the week with a kid who's probably 13, 14 years old. In a business sense, he was asking me about an example of of someone who projects a certain image about the money he makes, the luxuries he has in his life, the girls that he gets, and using that image to make money and sell his business, essentially. And he was asking me why that works, trying to break it down for himself. And I said, you know, we're programmed through media, whether it's social media or traditional forms of media and culture to believe there are certain standards of living, certain strivings that we should have, certain paths of quote-unquote stability, of success, images of success. And that example was him capitalizing on those pre-existing images and ideas that we can be conscious or unconscious of that are going on in our heads. And it might look different for us, each of us, depending on on the messaging we received, on the programming that we buy into or bought into at one time or another, and even past experiences of shame, guilt, lack that cause us to unconsciously be driven to do something that may or may not actually be serving us or the greater good. So I say this to give us the example of the contrast, because in the contrast, we can understand what is not conscious, authentic living. So we can begin to discern for ourselves what is conscious, authentic living, because we're going to talk about, again, those foundational elements and pieces of it that apply for everyone. But ultimately, It's you who discerns how that looks and expresses to you. And also, you who opens up the potential by simply understanding what is not in alignment, what is not conscious, what is not authentic in your life. And just allowing the space in being in that knowing of what is not. So what is conscious, what is authentic can come forth. Because we limit ourselves when we're in an unconscious, inauthentic state. It's kind of like a bubble around us that constricts our limitless expression and potential. So as I said, we're programmed by our upbringing, by our environment, by our culture, our society. And that programming constricts and limits our ability to be conscious and authentic about our choices, our actions, our thoughts, our words, our visions for our lives. Even simply not having a vision, a direction, an aim to go in makes it difficult for us to know when we're in and out of alignment. It makes it difficult for us to know whether we've chosen our vision or whether we've been sold or programmed our vision. Because when we can break that down, when we can break down the vision of our lives, when we can break down 
how we want to be remembered. For example, if you recall or are curious to dive into our episode on embracing death to truly live, the link will be in the show notes as all links always are. We can start backwards from from our death. And there's a lot of power in looking at what is truly a value to me in that equation And what am I chasing? What am I striving for? What am I projecting right now about myself or about my life that isn't in alignment with those broader perspectives and values? Again, working backwards from our death in that example. Or what is the vision that, again, is programmed that I'm chasing that when I stop and think about it, if I put myself in the place of actually having that and asking myself, Would I actually still, would I be happy? Would I really be happy in that case? Because oftentimes we wouldn't be. I think one of the most incredible things about the internet is that we can read stories of people who have quote unquote gotten the images of success that we are fed to believe in, to chase, who aren't happy, who aren't fulfilled because Ultimately, these images, these cultural ideas of success, for example, in all facets of life are shallow. And that's not to say, for example, wanting money, wanting resources is a negative thing. If you listen to our conversations, you know it's about non-duality, non-judgment, The only thing that makes something positive or negative is our thoughts. It's about the depth comes from within, and we'll get into that later in this conversation. Money is a beautiful thing. It's an expression of the natural abundance that is our universe, that is nature, the flow of that abundance in and through our lives. And the contrast, the contradiction between current cultural norms and standards and strivings and conscious living is the fact that we're experiencing the constriction of our current standards in our modern society because it's not conscious, it's not aligned with the depth, with the meaning that comes from living in harmony with nature, with the depth of life in this experience of being human. And again, we'll get into that. And to wrap up the money example, it's why. Why do I want the money? If I want the money because I want to fulfill these societal standards, then I will be left empty. If I want the money so that I can invest in sustainable businesses and organizations and non-governmental organizations and nonprofits. that's a whole different thing. Having the why, whether it's this example or any example in our vision, what's the why behind what we want, what we're aiming for? And if the why isn't good enough, then the actions are going to reflect that. Our actions are going to reflect that. Our wavering and our commitment will reflect that and to wrap up the point about the examples we hear of people fulfilling success and sticking with this idea of money making a lot of money and being unfulfilled being unhappy seeking deeper 
meaning and fulfillment within and reaching for philosophies and practices. And again, (laughs) we'll talk about this later. Doing that now, doing it in the present moment, nurturing yourself with those philosophies, those perspectives, cultivating a conscious, authentic life now makes the difference. And there is only now. There isn't after I do this, then that. That's not guaranteed. And living consciously and authentically now radically changes every single aspect of our life, every single aspect of the coming into alignment with our vision in each aspect. Most importantly, even if we don't think they're shallow, they're not authentic because they're not truly coming from us. We have to take the time to sit down and ask myself, what does a beautiful life look like for me? What is meaningful to me? What does a relationship look like to me? And this also goes into questioning how much time we spend taking in other people's lives, other people's visions, other people's relationships, other people's quote unquote success. Because everything that we consume goes into our subconscious mind. It's always running in the background. It's said that 95% of our decisions, our actions come from our subconscious. So we have to get conscious. We have to get aware of what are those programs, beliefs, habits, ideas running in the background that are driving our actions because that's going to determine what's going on in our lives. So we have to ask ourselves, how much am I consuming? How much is it authentic? That's not to say that we should just stop consuming. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, we should consume that which empowers our vision, that which teaches us the skills and knowledge that we need on our journey, that when I know what my vision is and I know the next step to get there, being able to reach for the nourishment, the knowledge, the learnings, the education, and we have such beautiful, limitless access through the internet to what is needed, being able to ask myself what is needed in this next step. That consumption is what's empowering. Waking up every morning and reading a book, reading our own vision for our lives, every aspect written out, reading a part of it, looking at a vision board of our authentic created life and those values or reciting affirmations or listening to our own voice recorded reciting affirmations that puts us back into the perspective that aligns us with our vision with our authenticity with our consciousness saying those self-created affirmations that align us with our authenticity that align us with our vision Because ultimately, the contrast, I asked us in our last episode, in our human experience with Marco Santini, in the end of the episode, I asked us, would we rather have a future that's handed to us or create that future? 
the future that's handed to us is our actions from our subconscious, from our programming, from culture, media, society, that we're not actually choosing. We're only subconsciously choosing them because those images have been fed to our mind. But we can feed new thoughts, beliefs, and images to our mind that are in alignment with what we have actually chosen for ourselves by detaching, by taking time away from social media, media, going, being with ourselves, being out in nature, or simply being in stillness and silence with ourselves and taking the time to ask these life changing valuable questions that we so often don't take the time to consider and it makes all the difference in our lives because ultimately and I love this idea from Clarissa Pincola Estes the hand-built life is where fulfillment and meaning comes from the hand-built life is synonymous with the conscious authentic life it means to have created by hand each step and aspect of our lives consciously choosing rather than being fed it. And that's where the fulfillment is. That's where the meaning is. Otherwise, what is meaningful about striving, chasing, following a path that's been handed to us? So often that's where we find discontentment, frustration, depression, anxiety. And it's not to say that it's easy. Life isn't easy. Life is suffering. And life is beautiful and profound and meaningful and so rich and deep. The level of our consciousness, the level of our presence and the contents of our mind allows us to either be grounded in that truth and thus live a more equanimous life or to be at the whim of suffering in an endless sense. From the equanimous place, we are at peace with impermanence we flow and dance with it we can be crying from the harshest of pain and realize that this too will end and thus be in that pain and see lessons see gratitude in the same way that then we can be in moments of joy and understand this too will end and thus here I am fully present to this experience and neither is worse or better. It's being able to embrace the wholeness that is the human experience and when we can embrace the wholeness without preference for one or the other. That is when we are free because we are no longer chasing or striving or resisting or persisting at something over the other it is all equal it is all of value it is in our choosing our path our own path our own way 
Carl Jung reminds us, there is only one way and that is your way. There is only one salvation and that is your salvation. Why are you looking for help? Do you believe help will come from outside? What is to come will be created in you and from you. Hence, look into yourself. Do not compare. Do not measure. No other way is like yours. All other ways deceive and tempt you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. I love this idea. It is so much of the hand-built life because it's so true. To not build our lives ourselves, to not create the life that is us, to not fulfill the way that is in you, and we'll get into this, but literally within you, in a sense, already innate in you. That is where we find a lack of fulfillment, literally because we are not fulfilling that way that is our way. It emphasizes why it's so important to spend that quality, valuable time alone. If that resonates with you, you can explore part one and part two of the value and importance of time alone. Those episodes would be linked in the show notes as well. So now we get into the truth that to live consciously and authentically is our birthright. Why? Because we are consciousness. We talk about this in the mindset workshop. You are not your thoughts. You are aware of your thoughts. Hence, you are awareness. And what is awareness? Awareness is consciousness. And when I say that, I mean the force of consciousness. Not simply just being conscious. And authenticity, the link between authenticity and birthright, Well, I love this example. A tree, an acorn knows how to grow itself into fulfillment, bringing back that idea of the link between fulfillment, actualization of authenticity, fulfilling what is within. An acorn knows exactly how to manifest itself into an 100-foot tree, that little tiny acorn. It's in there. It's literally programmed in there. It doesn't look at other trees and think I should be like this one. I should be like that one. It just grows. And so in that same way, our own bodies have that programming. We go from literally a single cell to a full adult human being. Our bodies know how to do this. We're not conscious of this. That's incredible. And that same knowledge, that same innate birthright 
to actualize and to fulfill our authentic expression and being is the foundation of creating the hand-built life of living authentically and consciously there's a sense that we have innate gifts curiosities interests passions purposes talents they're raw they're within they're that raw expression we can think about the tree image if we were a tree we would simply grow into that expression however the complexity of being human means that not only is there the added dimension of well okay speaking in the education system in america the education system doesn't support the actualization and development of each person's unique talents and interests and gifts and la 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 it's just how it is it's the cookie cutter system we haven't created a better one yet then there's also a benefit to the diversity that exists within the human authentic expression because when we get to talk to people with different experiences different journeys different authentic expressions their learnings their experience and we can learn from each other that's part of the beauty of our of the being in community in this authentic and conscious way and that's the difference between as jung says in the quote we dove into comparing and measuring it's it's there's no comparison in measurement it's what's your experience what's my experience what do i get to learn from you what do you get to learn from me how do we add and create something better simply by being both authentically together instead of wishing you were more like me and i was more like you along the same lines of birthright it's what we're meant to be in this human experience we are a human being being is being conscious being is being ourselves to be able to be ourselves and be conscious we have to put down the comparison and the measurement and the consumption of others in a way that constricts negates and antagonizes our authentic being and being grounded in that which then brings us to presence and the importance of presence in this equation being present is living consciously 
or rather it's sort of like the square is always a rectangle but the rectangle isn't always a square equation being present enables conscious living but it doesn't always equal conscious living conscious living always equals presence and when I say always, again, I'm speaking in a gray term, right? Because it's not always easy to be fully present, especially in a world that is not conscious, that is not present. So our presence, our full presence in the here and now is what is the foundation for conscious living. It is what enables us to begin to sift through the programming, to sift through the inauthenticity, to reach conscious living, to reach authenticity. And reach isn't even the right word because in presence... We experience the eternal now. Have you ever been present, fully present in a moment, and time feels like it doesn't exist? I I think it's really funny that for me, I have no sense of time. And I think it's this innate thing that's kept on with me through childhood, is I really just don't have a sense of time. (laughs) And I think we can relate to that. Think about that. Think about when when you were so present in a moment that you had no sense of time. That's the eternal now. The past only exists in our memory, in our mind. And when we speak uh, outside the space-time continuum, everything exists all at once. So I think I say that, what I say that is to be grounded in the present moment, conscious and authentic, we can actually sift through the past and our own buttons, triggers, inner thorns, painful experiences, and actually reprogram our relationship to them so that it's sort of like rewriting our story in the hero's journey voice which would then look like all of that suffering, all of those experiences were actually literally part of our story and our journey to being the hero. And that in and of itself is a shift in our lives that is incredibly potent and empowering. Instead of being the victim, we become the victor, we become the hero. And each one of us can be the hero of our lives. And I might even go so far as to say is meant to be the hero of our own journey. I think part of that is where this cultural idea of becoming the main character of our life begins. But it's much deeper and it's much more meaningful than just being the main character. There's nothing selfish about being the hero of your journey. Watch how rewriting that narrative and understanding that character arc changes drastically the ways in which we show up for our lives, for each other, 
and what we are willing to put energy towards in the most positive, impactful way. To rise into that role that is innate within the conscious, authentic living allows us to see each experience as a lesson, which is also part of this equation. And it allows us to look at those difficulties as a yes, and those had to happen. I can even go so far as I'm grateful that they happened because I'm grateful for the lessons that they taught me and the lessons that they taught me by learning from them instead of simply being stuck in the negative, dense energy of them or blocking them out, they now become clear, almost meaningful steps in my journey. And that's obviously not to say that that's an easy thing to do. Again, right? Life isn't easy. Suffering is real painful things happen to us. There are ways that we can empower ourselves in those situations. And if we can't empower ourselves in those situations, we can reach for help to do so. And there are so many beautiful resources for that today that are getting more and more accessible. But that's an essential part. So then, so that's the past. The future, well, the future also, in a sense, doesn't exist. And outside the space-time continuum, in that image of everything being one, it is all one. When we are in the now, it becomes eternal, and it is the eternal now, because there is only ever now. The future will only ever come to us in now. So when we're in presence, when we're present, we receive, we experience in fullness, in the depth. And that's part of our human experience. That's part of being human. That's part of the beauty of it, be it positive or negative. And it's that perspective of be it positive or negative that allows us to not resist and to remain in equanimity through the ups, downs, and in-betweens. So now, again, speaking about future, when we have the clear, conscious, authentic vision of our lives, we touch that in the now because we embody it now, even if we don't have it per se. That's where the concept of be the energy you want to attract comes into play. It's no longer about attracting anything outside of ourselves. It's the recognition that everything we need is within ourselves and I already am that which I wish to receive. And then we really get to play with this idea of, well, if everything is one and if outside time everything exists and I already have this, And I can get into that imaginative vision and feeling place of, okay, what if I had this? Maybe we're starting with, what if I had those ideas of success that I'm shown 
I should strive for. I'm shown what is, quote unquote, success in life. Imagining if we had that and seeing, am I still fulfilled or, or what else would I want from that place? That might bring us to our authenticity. With that authentic conscious as in chosen vision, values, our actions in the now align with that. And the authenticity is so important, not only because of what we've been talking about, about success and la la la, those images that were fed. It's because we have a gift. If you remember, if you've been along the journey with us since one of our very first episodes, I used the quote and I shared it again in our conversation with Marco from Picasso. The purpose of life is to find your gift. The meaning of life is to give it away. It's a journey. In Rilke's letters to a young poet, he advises us, learn to love the questions. If you feel far away from your authenticity, learning to quote unquote love the questions is loving the questions of who am I? What is really meaningful to me? What does an authentic life look like to me? What is my authentic expression? Being able to accept being in the question is sort of a shift from the narrative of I am lost to I am being found. I am finding myself. And often we have innate curiosities, intuitions that lead us to that or even often back to that authentic self. The breadcrumbs are there. When we get present, we can begin to see them, honor them and act on them because each step is revealed one step at a time. It's a matter of acknowledging when the step is illuminated And having the courage to take that step, to take the step into the unknown, really, because if there's only one way and that's your way, it can't really be known. And I think part of the fact that, you know, not only with the idea of of being programmed by society, but part of the fact and really going back to Jung's quote, the temptation and deception of the paths laid out before us is that it seems stable, it seems safe, but the reality is they're not going to lead us to the fulfillment of our own expression that is within us waiting to be fulfilled. It's when we Stop consuming other people's lives, imitating other people's lives, even stop, you know, hero worshiping and putting people on pedestals, making people out to be more than human, more than equal to ourselves. Then we can allow ourselves to become our own hero. And that's not in in a narcissistic way at all. That's the empowered way. That's the way that is your way. That is the hero's journey of your life. And we're all walking it. We can all walk it. 
but it's the conscious decision to walk it, to go into the unknown. I'm currently rereading the Odyssey with this idea in mind of what is Odysseus's journey showing us in a thematic, metaphorical sense what it is to actualize, to be the hero, and to return home, return to, to authenticity, to fulfillment, to a conscious, hand-built life. And it comes from the Jungian view of stories, stories as being the means by which we as humans have taught essential lessons about life, about navigating situations, how to, in a sense. I totally invite you to do the same. You can listen to it on audiobooks. I even recommend listening it to audio on audiobooks because it comes from an oral tradition and see what themes, what ideas come up when you listen to it in that context. And it can be that story. It could be any story. It can be Harry Potter. What is the character arc and the hero's journey of Harry Potter telling you? And that's the beauty of, <laughs> of literature, of film, of story that is so innate in our human DNA and our being human that is the conversation that goes on between humans as empowering each other and empowering intergenerationally the actualization and fulfillment of the authentic way, of the conscious way. And it's to not stop at Harry's a great guy, look at him. And, you know, I say that in a story and we can say that in real life too. It's what is this person's journey teaching me about myself? Everything is a mirror for ourselves. Everything we judge in another person is a mirror for what we judge in ourselves. And everything we admire in another person is a mirror for that which we can admire and tap into in ourselves. But it's the choice to go the extra mile to instead of following to be and it's not (laughs) to be as in to then project the image of it's to go within discover that within go on the journey within to actualize that part of ourselves it takes time but what's more meaningful and fulfilling than that What is more important than that? Because in our authenticity, we give our gift away. We fulfill the purpose of our being as Lydia or as you. And ultimately, we are able to live in harmony by honoring the truth of consciousness within and throughout ourselves. In that example that I just gave, honoring the truth of our interconnection, of our 
oneness of our uniting network of consciousness between us all. The fact that everything, literally everything, is the manifestation and extension of creation itself. Living consciously and authentically grounds us in that. And through that, we have a more expansive and fulfilling experience in life because it allows us to touch the complexity and simplicity and the depth of life and this experience of being human. And clearly, if that's not in more contrast (laughs) to the norms of culture and society today, I don't know what could be a more evident point to why this is of value. We're not constricting ourselves to be a certain way, to be a certain type of person, to project a certain image, or limiting ourselves to be defined by labels in singular dimensions of our multidimensionality instead of identifying with this and that and this and that thing and that thing. And we're just being fully expressing here, present, This is it, flowing free. I'm reminded of conversations past that I've had about this idea of I'm this way at work, I'm this way with my family, I'm this way with this and that. All those different versions of self create so much disconnect and discomfort Because we have to constrict ourselves. We think we have to constrict ourselves in that way. Or that feeling of a need to do that in order to protect ourselves, to survive, shows us the contrast, the contradiction between those environments and our authenticity. And is actually an invitation to go on a journey to find the environments that are in alignment which coincides with going on the inner journey because in order to actualize the external journey, the internal shift in perspective and experience must occur. Or else we show up with the limits on self that we've been running from this whole time and then the new environment becomes the old environment because those shifts, that cloud of self has yet to clear, to dissipate through the shift internally to the authentic true self. Or go on the inner journey that finds our way to show up authentically in, for example, a family situation, right? We don't get to pick our family, but we can pick how we show up in our family. And that is also a beautiful invitation When we show up consciously and authentically, we invite everyone else to the party. (laughs) And it really is a party. And it's also deeply, profoundly meaningful and life-changing. We can invite older and younger people to have a completely different experience of life simply by being conscious and authentic around them, by being ourselves, 
that example invites people in, invites people to be curious when they see the shift within us, when they see the presence and the equanimity, the balance that is greater than happiness because it's more lasting, the ability to be flexible and open and curious and awestruck. I shared this idea with someone last night and I love this image, which is being grounded in ourselves consciously. So that's authenticity and consciousness allows our our expression, the channel of life, life through Lydia, to actually fully flow and experience. Because as consciousness, we are both the creator and the experiencer. And that's a really beautiful thing. And it's not woo-woo at all. Because, again, I'm the experiencer. I experience my feelings. I experience my thoughts. I experience my world around me through my senses and I also create it's the hand-built life it's creating in the moment it's being a steward of the environment planting a flower planting a tree creating a piece of art creating a bench a bookcase creating a meal So maybe now you can start to see all the ways that we truly are the continuation of creation and the continuation or simply consciousness because we're also conscious of what's happening. So when we allow ourselves, when we empower ourselves to live consciously and authentically, life through Lydia consciousness and creation coming through me gets to be right we talked about this human being it just gets to be it gets to be present and gets to be full and gets to be expressed there's no constriction and it just flows and if we look at this mental image of the big bang continuing into this moment That is the flow of creation and consciousness continuing. Obviously, there's a force there that just cannot be stopped. It doesn't want to be stopped. And in our own little expression of that, there are things within us from, like we said, from our past, from our environment, from our ideas from our beliefs about self, our self-limiting beliefs, our self-constricting beliefs about life. It constricts that flow. It doesn't get to fulfill and actualize as it is within. But when we begin to pull out the weeds, when we begin to discern what is mine and what isn't, what needs to no longer be fed within me, what needs more food, so to speak. Then we can fulfill the way that is in each one of us. 
So how do we do this? Ultimately, as I've highlighted already, this is how we transform our lives. This is how we actually continue to evolve using that same image of the evolution of creation, of nature, of animals, of being. The force is in there. The evolutionary force is also within us as a being. With Reself, we talk about evolving our consciousness. One of Reself's missions and visions is to evolve human consciousness one person at a time. This isn't anything new. This is what, especially in Eastern philosophical traditions, I'm thinking Buddhism, I'm thinking Taoism, this is what these philosophies are teaching us how to do. It's, I don't want to say the final steps of the evolution of consciousness, but it's the active steps of the evolution of our consciousness. We go from the monkey mind, from literally being monkeys, being apes, to being tool-bearing creatures and creators, ah, ah, creators, to more variations and evolutions, technology, the internet, this whole new piece, and the next iteration, the next dimension that has also always been. It's not been next, it's been now. Ah, the ever-present eternal now. Now is the time to actively participate in the evolution of your own consciousness by choosing the thoughts you have, choosing the actions you take, living in alignment with your authenticity, fulfilling the way that is within you. Again, the other vision of Reself, making conscious living the norm. It's not yet the norm in society, but I fully believe one person at a time, it can and will be. It's what we need individually and as a society. And it's for more reasons than just a, a highbrow armchair idea or yeah, that would be nice, but I have all these other things. Like I said, this is a foundational piece of our lives. If we get down (laughs) conscious living and authentic living, everything else falls into a place. And we are also empowered with the skills and tools and abilities to put what is not in place into place. Because we have inner guidance inner structure, capacities of higher functions and thinking that allows us to sit with discomfort, to see clearly, to see a bigger picture that allows us and enables us and empowers us to take the necessary actions and active role in our lives to make it and live it fully. All right, so how do we do this? I already touched on this piece, but it means being awake. Being awake means to see everything as fuel for that evolution, for the ability to evolve from one way of being and seeing to another way of being and seeing that is more 
conscious and more authentic. Seeing it as an invitation to maybe I used to react out of this habit when this thing came up. Now through my pause and discernment, I can find a new response rather than reaction. It is also this idea, and I, I, it's also this metaphor of lucid dreaming. For anyone that doesn't know what lucid dreaming is, lucid dreaming is, if you've ever experienced this or have friends that have talked about this, it's when you wake up in your dream, you're still dreaming, but you realize you're dreaming, and so then you can choose anything that you're doing. That's what life is. You might have heard in a sort of spiritual context or conversation this idea that we're asleep or we're zombies walking through life until we quote unquote awaken. It's this idea that we awaken in our, in our present reality to the rat race to the programmed ideas, to the fact that we can choose our experience in life and it comes from within. We can't control what happens to us. We can only control ourselves and it starts with our thoughts. We share this quote in the Mindset Workshop from Lao Tzu because it's so important and so fundamental to this idea. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. We see right there this idea of watching. That's being conscious, that's being present, that's being aware. Watching the ways we react, watching the ways that we buy into someone else's image or idea of success or fulfillment or meaning instead of choosing and discovering our own. Watching the ways in which the pursuit of external pleasures, satisfaction, perpetuates dissatisfaction in our lives. It starts with our thoughts. Literally, we see through that equation how our thoughts become our destiny. We see each step of the way. When we intervene and consciously and authentically make each step our own, then our destiny becomes our own. That is what it means to be awake. That's step one. Wake up to the fact that this life is limitless potential, limitless ability to be explored. We are not the victim of our circumstances. We can empower ourselves as the hero of our journey. And again, there's nitty gritty details to everyone's personal application and integration of that and what I'm talking about philosophically here. 
It's what it means to find and live your own way and to no longer be the victim of your circumstances. Because so long as we limit ourselves to the negative thinking and victimization, our experience and expression becomes limited to that. If we want a different experience, if we want a different outcome, then we have to do something differently. Madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I also believe madness is feeling like life is meaningless and not doing everything in our power to find meaning in life, to go on the journey to actually figure out for ourselves through that purposeful pursuit to connect with meaning in life. And the depth of life, everything that we talked about, about oneness, about creation, about the beauty that is simply all around us, we have to awaken. It then goes to a bigger society level. If we want peace in society, if we want harmony, if we want unity, we've got to do something different. And it starts with each one of us. But I digress. That's also just to say, again, that continuation, that interconnection is all there. It's not selfish to start with you. It's essential to start with you, to start with me. It's not narcissistic. It's taking responsibility and accountability for how do I contribute to the messes around me and in my life? How do I contribute to my own suffering, awakening to the suffering, and then empowering our active role in eliminating the suffering, in liberating ourselves from the suffering because those tools and that ability exists and it starts with becoming conscious. So then it's intention. It's the intention to live consciously, live authentically, remembering and aligning with that intention every morning when we wake up and when we go to bed. And if that sounds dramatic, (laughs) it's not. Because again, we live in a world that is not conscious and not authentic. I don't know. I speak in the Western world. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where you are. Maybe you live in an environment that's conscious and authentic. And please invite me. I would love to come hang out. And we are creating that. We create it. And we do that by being it. And that's why it's so foundational and it's so important and transformative and essential because it impacts every single dimension and aspect of our lives from within ourself to externally to all of our relationships to everything we do to our health, our resources our relationship with nature, our relationship with each other, our work, our contribution, our contribution to the good of being or not the good of being by our actions, because it all adds up. Our reality, our societies, our world is the collective culmination of every single person's actions, 
thoughts. And that's why it starts with us. That's how it changes with us. That's why the self is the important key factor. And that's why it's about being conscious, being authentic, living consciously, living authentically. That's why re-self exists. That's why we have a digital community space because engaging with the re-self, engaging with re-self family members, engaging with each other is engaging in an environment and a culture that is conscious, that is authentic, that embodies this. And that's what enables us to go further because we're going further together. So we need that intention. We need that alignment. That's what I was talking about. Reading those aligned books, listening to aligned conversations like As It Goes, engaging with Reself, feeding ourselves, actually consuming that which nourishes us rather than nourishes the toxic or, or is toxic and actually detracts from our, our nourishment, our vitality, our expression, our limitlessness. It is then from there again discerning and acting, being responsible and accountable with ourselves, our thoughts, finding each emotion each situation again is an opportunity to see the alignment and the unalignment and use the unalignment the suffering to realign to say thank you for showing me where my thought is wrong where my perception is wrong asking just asking ourselves just help me see this in a different light and seeing what happens And then ultimately, it's being grounded in our wholeness. So we talked about the groundedness that comes from allowing our expression, our our life force, life through Lydia, capital L, life, capital C, creation, capital C, consciousness, through Lydia to just be. Through that, through living consciously, through being present, through authenticity, through the journey and the flux of these things, we experience wholeness. And wholeness is essential. Being grounded in our wholeness is what allows us to not compare, to not measure, to not be deceived, to not be tempted. Or more realistically, it allows us to recognize when am I comparing, when am I measuring, when am I deceiving, when am I being tempted? And course correct within ourselves within our thinking so that that doesn't become our destiny so that our destiny remains conscious chosen and authentic handmade in the now and the other dimension of wholeness which is what reself is built on is the idea of the balance between mind body and soul that holistic equation is our wholeness. We break them down in order to see how can I nourish, how can I enjoy, 
each of those aspects, how can I express? But the wholeness is you. You are whole. You are completeness. And it's the choices that we have from our thoughts to our actions, to our habits, to our words, to our character, to the authenticity of our character that allows us to experience that wholeness instead of constrictions and limits on it, being grounded in it. And that comes from being grounded in ourselves, spending conscious time alone with ourselves, not consuming. So we actually consume our own thoughts and our own wisdom and our own ideas and we can act on our authenticity rather than reacting to what is around us. Because then that's how we create. And it's the act of creation that makes the handmade life that allows us to fulfill the way that is within us. And when we create individually from that place, we can come together in authenticity, in each person's unique authenticity, and create something even more collaborative and expansive because it's those limitless, free, authentic forces and expressions of difference of the same life force, capital L life, flowing through each one of us creates, co-creates, collaborates for the good of being through the individual expression of each one of us. That's the beauty of contribution. From there, that, that stillness, which is a daily practice, right? Just like our intention, grounding in the stillness, in the being, feeling the subtle vibration of our living body, which knows exactly the functions to do without us even knowing what it's doing. that cultivates a lasting peace from within, the peace and harmony like we talked about of simply yet profoundly being. And it's simple because it's within. Everything we need is within us. The complexity is around us. But simplicity is also complexity resolved through the groundedness within, through the harmony and peace that comes from that, from our authentic conscious expression and living. The complexity can be resolved by our own actions, by our own discernment, by our own alignment. And it starts with self. <laughs> It's why re-self is called re-self because it's about the self. The self is the core of our experience. I can't be anyone but Lydia. I can't have anyone else's experience of life but Lydia. I can inquire about others' experience. I can empathize with others' experience. But I'm just in Lydia's body. And so... I, me, you, self is the foundation of our experience. It's where it happens. Our self is as deep as life, as the universe itself. 
as within, so throughout, or so throughout as within. If that resonates or that's an idea that we haven't considered before. We think about the universe is so complex. We are just as complex and deep as that continuation, as that physical manifestation. We'll be sharing this in the coming home workshop, which is coming out in the fall. This image of what it looks like to break down the inner depths of ourselves. It's a model that I've created based off of models of consciousness, of quantum physics, Jung's idea of the self, Buddhism, integrating all these ideas, right? Seemingly contrasting, contradicting ideas. Because in Buddhism, if you're at all familiar, there is no self. So what does it look like to reconcile that and to live that truth while also understanding here I am as Lydia? So that's something to look forward to, which explains the deep self that exists. And it's when we can touch, when we allow ourselves to touch the depth of ourselves, that we can actually touch the depth of life. We've talked about this in our conversations prior. We can only experience another as deeply as we experience and have met ourselves. We can only experience life as deeply as we are willing to experience ourselves. I'm constantly reminded of this this experience from my own life. Maybe you can relate to it. Maybe you can't relate to it because either you don't allow yourself to or it's never felt authentic to you. But what would it be like to explore I'm what some people would call sensitive, or rather I'm simply in touch with the emotional depth that is being human, that we can all touch. I cry almost every movie I watch, and it is because I allow a movie to touch me in the depth of my being. It is the witnessing of a story. What does it touch within me? What does it teach me? What does it remind me of? feeling those feelings that emotion this is uh, one example right but it's an example that I think perhaps a lot of us can relate to in the sense that my experience of the movie try this notice when you watch a movie next time you watch a movie if you either hold back tears or you don't allow yourself to be fully present in the movie and then try watching a movie being fully present, fully engaged, allowing yourself to experience the emotions of the characters, of the music, of the story, and just see how it changes your experience. Because that is, out of context, our whole experience in life. And it's, there's way more also than emotions, but emotions are another form of our sensing of, of the world and of life and experiencing it. And that's within, that's within the self, the depth of ourselves. So then as we've also obviously been talking about authenticity, it's knowing ourselves. Aristotle, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. All wisdom starts with knowing ourselves. No one can teach us about ourselves, but our willingness 
to know, sit with, discover, inquire, follow the inklings, the breadcrumbs, the intuitions to discover ourselves. Again, we're not taught this. This isn't the modeling of, of culture and of society, specifically in America, but generally in the West as well, which is as far as I can speak to. So <laughs> cut yourself some slack, but now that we've had the conversation, there's also no turning back in a sense. You can't unknow what you know, you know? <laughs> Being willing to and understanding the importance of self-discovery or simply discovery through self is that foundation for our ability to to walk our own path, to build our own life. Because this is how we trust ourselves and trust in ourselves is essential in order to walk and fulfill our own path, the path that is this self's path. If having a vision for your life doesn't resonate with you, then trust yourself. And if you can't trust yourself, it's likely because your actions aren't in alignment with your authenticity. And what you know, that's what I mean by saying once we know there's no going back from that awareness and knowledge, that is what propels a discomfort that's actually empowering because it propels the unalignment between action and what we know to be true but we are not acting on and it's that discomfort that actually can empower us to take meaningful new change when our actions are in alignment with our authenticity when we're acting from an authentic place that's what cultivates self-trust when we show up for ourselves when we show up in alignment with our inner knowing that cultivates self-trust so that we can trust our ability to respond in the present moment to flow with it and again it's the ever-evolving experience of being alive is evolving within ourselves We are never done evolving. Till the day we die, we can be evolving. And it's such a beautiful contradiction with the idea of aging, this idea that can't teach an old dog new tricks. Actually, no. (laughs) Neuroplasticity and neuropathways show us that throughout our entire lives, we can constantly form and build new neuropathways, which is to say that you can teach a dog new tricks. And you can continually evolve should you choose to. So again, it's, I mean, that's one example. of What's my vision of, of aging that's just not authentic or not even right? And how does that have real implications? Because to have real implications, and I'll stay with this example of aging, to truly buy into this idea of the cultural context around aging, around settling into I mean, I don't know what, I'm like 24. I'm not going to speak to this. 
But there is truth in the fact that when we get so settled in our ways, okay, this is what I will say on this. When we get so settled in our ways, that's when we stagnate and that's when the life force, right? Life through Lydia, creation, consciousness does not get to continue to flow. And that's where stagnation happens and that is the opposite of of evolution, the continuation of creation. It wants to continue. And at the same time, we spoke about this a little bit with changes on a larger picture, changes within from from family to community to nation to world start from simply us, one person, one individual. That's why Reself focuses one individual at a time. Self-evolution for the good of being. We can contribute to that direction, to the good of being. I encourage you to explore the episode on self-evolution for the good of being. That's linked as well. Ultimately, to wrap this up, because I said we would also touch on Reself specifically, this is why Reself exists. Because we need the community, we need the nourishment, the practices to empower us on our own journey. We might listen to this and think, Building a handmade life, following my own way, that is my own way. You might be right, Lydia, but that's so hard. Like, I can't go against the grain of what I've been programmed, of what is, and also do that. So that's why Reself exists. So that you don't have to resist anything. You can just be And B is flourishing. Reself allows us to flourish by creating the environment and the nourishment and the tools and the structure and the engagements that allow us to walk our own path, to build our own lives, to rediscover, discover our authenticity and continue all of that in the most easeful, equanimous way. And that is so valuable. It's so important. Because then we're not going against a grain, we're not rowing upstream, we actually get to flow. We get to go with our own flow. And truly, Reself, I am grateful and honor that opportunity to be a part of your journey, to empower you, to be in community with you through the Reself community space, which you can access, the link is in the description workshops, live group workshops. We'll be announcing those in the future to come. You can sign up for the wait list and always make sure that you're on the wait list for the next updates on different workshops, live groups. 
these conversations and recalibrate, which has been reborn and is relaunching in the next few weeks. So stay tuned, get excited. If you're listening to this after that, go check out Recalibrate. Let's leave it there. So go forth, flow and flourish. I hope you have an incredible week full of insight into yourself from within. Taking the time this next week to reflect, to journal, to record yourself talking through anything that came up from this episode that you think would be valuable for you to explore and consider. Whether it's the vision of your life, you know, uh, whatever, everything. Because ultimately, when we look at each and everything, that's what makes the shift. When we are willing to sit down every time every opportunity comes up that was a difficult experience or um, a triggering experience and taking the time to sit with it, explore it, break it down. There are two beautiful practices in the mindset workshop in lessons three and four that guide us with ease to explore in those moments, to explore discomfort and to get unstuck through our own guidance, through our own knowledge and wisdom, that makes the difference because then they're no longer building on themselves and we can actually take down those blocks and barriers to the flow. And to circle back to our friend talking about contentment in the beginning He invites us to take a shot at free will and self-mastery because, as he says, with determination and practice, we can find respite from that chronic dissatisfaction and experience the joy that is true human freedom. And I would even add the joy that is being human, present, engaged in the incredibleness that is life on earth. So that we flow and flourish, baby. Have a beautiful week. Bye, everybody.